wonderful moment. Because it was probably as far as you could get from a storytelling performance. And yet it was one of the best stories I ever heard. Coming from someone who didn't have confidence, didn't want to uh, necessarily expose that pain again, and yet somehow knew that if she didn't expose that pain, something else would happen down the road that she didn't want to have happen. Like it was critical to her survival to share that pain with that group of people. Alaska is a state of many airplanes, from little bush planes to the Anchorage International Airport, which is a hub of global air traffic. Planes make several appearances in this episode, which was recorded at the home of Wrangell Mountain Center super supporter Sophie Littay near the Ted Stevens International Airport. Sophie is a global traveler, a French speaker, and teacher. I sat down with Jack Dalton, the professional storyteller who is also a world traveler, and someone who knows and has engaged with different languages. When I mentioned teaching French, Jack was instantly intrigued. I was an exchange student to Sweden and learned Swedish, and it's the best thing that I ever did. Hmm. Because when you learn a different language, you realize your thoughts are different in that different language. You don't think the same at all. You're forced to see the world through different eyes because you're forced to describe it in a different way. It's just the best. And then to me, the words I like the best are the words that don't exist in English. And at least in Swedish, but I've heard this about a lot of other languages, that those words that aren't translatable are often the most quintessential words in the language. Welcome to The End of the Road, a podcast brought to you by the Wrangell Mountain Center with a generous grant from the Alaska State Council on the Arts and from our supporters in Alaska and around the globe. We thank you. I'm Michelle McAfee. And I'm John Erdman, Executive Director of the Wrangell Mountain Center. We are a nonprofit organization dedicated to connecting people with wild lands through art, science, and education in Alaska. So maybe we could just start off and you could give us the, you know, the basic Jack Dalton rundown. Okay. <laughs> Jack Dalton rundown. The, the summary. <laughs> Hello, my name is Jack Dalton, etc. And give us like a little bit of your background, you know, that kind of thing. And then I think maybe that'll naturally. Um, okay. Hi. My name is Jack Dalton and I am from a lot of different places, a lot of different ways, a lot of different ethnicities, a lot of different faiths. (laughs) Um, I was born in Bethel, Alaska, but that's not where I'm from. Uh, The village that my birth mother's family is from is Hooper Bay. And even that's not where we're from because we're actually from a village that disappeared in the 60s called Bymute, which is 15 miles north of Hooper Bay. Uh, I was adopted at five days old and flew to Anchorage where I met my adopted family. And 
Um, it was 25 years later before I met my birth mother, uh, then didn't meet my birth father until I was 45 <laughs> and found out that uh, I'm half Yupik and half Catholic um, because my birth father was a Catholic priest and uh, grew up in Anchorage with a white family. Um, I like to say that they weren't just white bred Americans. They were from Iowa and Oklahoma, so they were the grain that the bread was made from. <laughs> I know those folks. That's yes. kind of my area. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. Um, <laughs> you still seem like a nice person. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I studied advertising in college, which is fascinating to me, but it was through this weird series of events uh, right around my time of graduation uh, that I ended up at a conference for indigenous people and during the opening ceremonies ended up telling a story in front of 3,000 indigenous people from around the world and it was such a moving experience not just for me but literally the scope and focus of the conference changed not only that time but for several of the conferences that followed. And that was such a huge experience for me that I decided I wanted to be a storyteller. End introduction. End introduction. <laughs> <laughs> One of the places you've been is to our humble little community out in McCarthy. Yes. I was curious to talk a little bit about Tall Tales. Mm -hmm. What draws you to Tall Tales? What made that interesting that you connected with Tall Tales and kind of kept returning and participating yeah. in that? So my first go around for Tall Tales was being a judge, and it was just really cool. The, the To have locals, to have visitors, everyone not competing, but just having fun and telling stories. Uh, Monty, of course, won that year, and... I could really see the way that, you know, the Golden Saloon was packed, that it was a cherished community event. Based on the people that I had met and being in the community and going to the baseball games. And the next year I was asked to be MC, and I did that for a number of years. It was when I was MC that I talked about how so many people, especially Western people, have a sense of envy in regards to Native communities. Now, not all Native communities are healthy, but even the unhealthy ones have that sense of community that's so strong. And I've just met so many non-Native people who wanted that. Like, oh, if only we could have that sense of community, you know, in Anchorage or in wherever they are. And I realized, standing there in McCarthy during Tall Tales, that McCarthy has that sense of community. Yeah. And, I, and so I said, I said, did you guys know you're the whitest Native people I've ever met? 
What kind of response did you get to that? Oh, they loved it. (laughs) This is the whitest native community I've ever been to. (laughs) And, And I don't know how many people changed their view of McCarthy, of their community. But I think for some people, it's like they knew something but they'd never put it into a word before. And to be told a white native community, that was the thing that they were looking for to describe that sense of community that they feel mm. when they're in McCarthy. And if, and several people came up and said, that was awesome. Like, mm. thank you for recognizing what we feel in McCarthy and I said absolutely you know there's there's just that people will do anything for you everything would be dropped if there was some sort of crisis you feel safe in McCarthy because you know if you fall down someone is going to reach down and help you get up and you don't feel that in very many communities around around the country anyway um I do believe so much of the Western mindset is, well, I don't know you. If I help you, you might hurt me. So I'm not going to help you. And McCarthy's not like that. McCarthy, like, drops the china plates to run over and help you. And Tall Tales is the quintessence of that sense of community to me. But I haven't been to a lot of other community events there that I could say, oh, oh, <laughs> screw Tall Tales. This is where it's at. <laughs> but you have been to a lot of storytelling events. I have been to a lot of stories. All around the world. All around the world. <laughs> are, they, is, uh, are they all kind of a little different? Have their own personality? The Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. An event like that. The people will decide what it's going to be. You know, moth events are incredibly different. And it's so big now that, you know, they can bring five storytellers and pack the 2200-seat Atwood Concert Hall in Anchorage. But even Arctic Entries. You have Arctic Entries now in in Anchorage. And (laughs) tickets go on sale. And if you aren't on the website... And buy your ticket within the first five minutes, you're not going to, to Arctic Entries. And they're now in the Discovery Theater at the Performing Arts Center in Anchorage. So that's 750 people buying tickets in five minutes to take part in Arctic Entries. You know, And that's the same in terms of you have seven storytellers, seven minutes each. That's different than Tall Tales because... People sign up, and whereas they actually groom, you decide you want to be a storyteller, and then they coach you into how you tell your story. Same thing with the moth. So in that way, Tall Tales is much more grassroots.
judge of the first Tall Tales that yes. you attended. Yeah. What, uh, what, what do you look for in a good story or a good storyteller? Um, well, one thing is confidence. A confident storyteller has a much easier time telling a good story. An unconfident storyteller could have the most amazing story to tell, but it won't come across as amazing because they're lacking the confidence. I know this firsthand because I'm not always confident, especially when I'm performing a story for the first time. I don't always have that confidence going into it. But I used to tell a story, usually creation legend of the Yupik people, because it was a nice 30-minute story that everyone could sit through. And I'd be telling along, and all of a sudden, boom! I'd say a sentence. And the sentence would be completely different from any other time I've told that story. And so in my mind, I'm going, wow, that's really interesting. Get to the end, bow, applause, go on with life. Within three days, it'd be at the grocery store. It'd be in the hallway of the conference center that I was at. Somehow, someone would recognize me as the storyteller. And they'd come up to me and they said, Oh my gosh, that story you told was so wonderful. In fact, at one point... I really felt you were talking directly to me because I needed to hear those words so direly. And then they would say the sentence that resonated with them so much. If it wasn't that sentence that I'm sitting there, I have never said it that way before. But they needed to hear it so bad that it somehow went through the telegraph of the universe to me so that I said what that person needed to hear. I think I told you that my Yupik name, Chupshok, uh, means the funnel. And the meaning is the funnel between the spirit world and the, the real world. Uh, it's my grandfather's name. And my grandfather was the last practicing Ayakuk healing person, you know, go to the rest of the world, they would say shaman, but we wouldn't use that word. Particularly because his view of healing, he would say, my job as a healer is not to heal someone. My job as a healer is to provide a safe space in which they can heal themselves. And that too I've experienced. So it's... These are these are things that just make sense to me through you know through what I've had happen in in my life. So I don't. I just trust. I have I have a lot of trust. <laughs> yeah. And so when something really challenging happens, then I just think to myself, okay, <laughs> wonder what I'm gonna learn from this, mm. and. Always something happens. There's never been needless challenge in my life. There's always been some sort of teaching that comes from it that, that affects my life. Earlier you described it as trusting the improv. Mm-hmm. But there's that aspect of trust. And that reminded me of when we were doing Tall Tales at the hardware store this last fall. And you were there. 
and I was kind of the MC and kind of coordinating people coming and going with stories. And there was one person that was really nervous about doing a story. And she had written the story out, but you could tell that she had really like put a lot of effort into that story. But she was extremely nervous. And all I could kind of think to say to her at that moment is just lose yourself in your story. Yeah. You know, and it, it sort of seems like it's the same thing, like a trust fall into your story. Kind of thing, yes. Right? Yeah. And and she did. I would never say that someone reading something that they've written is a bad story or not a well-performed story. It's not ideal. It'd be wonderful if they had the confidence to go with it in the moment. But I've 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 heard some really wonderful stories told that way. Mm. And and it's also part of our community. Not everyone is a performer, but that doesn't mean everyone doesn't have a good story to tell. I remember <laughs> I remember we were doing the Alaska Native Oratory Society um, competitions. And so it was the idea of having uh, the tradition of oratory brought to the present by having college students do oratory. And this one person, this woman from Southeast Alaska, told this unbelievably riveting story, a real thing that had happened to her and to her family, her community. And she was so nervous about it, but she got less nervous as she continued on telling the story. And at one point, she was speaking so softly, and I just looked, <laughs> and everyone in the room was leaning forward. And what was amazing is they were leaning forward not because they couldn't hear her, but there's just something so intimate about speaking quietly to someone else that it's like they all wanted to honor that intimacy that was just such a wonderful moment because it was probably as far as you could get from a storytelling performance and yet it was one of the best stories I ever heard coming from someone who didn't have confidence didn't want to uh, necessarily expose that pain again, and yet somehow knew that if she didn't expose that pain, something else would happen down the road that she didn't want to have happen. Like it was critical to her survival to share that pain with that group of people. So here we are. Everything is not storytelling-like, and yet it's one of the best stories I've ever heard. And so that's why I I don't have a criteria for what's a good story. Jack opens by saying confidence is the one thing he looks for in a good story. And he says an unconfident storyteller could have the most amazing story to tell but it won't come across as amazing because they're lacking the confidence. And yet, when we talked it through, 
By the end, we found ourselves listening rapt as Jack tells us a story of a woman with no confidence who nonetheless delivers one of the best stories that Jack has ever heard. Leading him to say, I don't have a criteria for what's a good story. Right. So what do we make of that? How do we tease out that Jack Dalton paradox? Well, I mean, obviously confidence can help make a story good. And yet there's more to it than that, isn't there? Well, yeah, there's more than what we can really articulate even. Like sometimes a good story just happens to us when we have a good story inside that needs to be told. And I like how Jack said, not everyone is a performer, but that doesn't mean that everyone doesn't have a good story to tell. Hmm. I liked that too. And I think that kind of brings us back full circle to where we started the podcast. When Jack talked about how the words that are untranslatable are often some of the most important words in a language. And so maybe a good story occurs in the realm of the untranslatable where we are forced to see the world through different eyes, as Jack puts it. Yes, a trust fall into a new perspective. Gossip. It's another form of storytelling. When, when I ask audiences how many of you are storytellers and only a few of them raise their hands, I'm like, you're all lying. <laughs> Because you all gossip. (laughs) And I bet you're really good at it, too, which makes you a really good storyteller. Join us in episode four as we conclude our interview with professional storyteller Jack Dalton and continue discussing storytelling and the power of story. You can go to www.wrangles.org, that's Wrangles with two L's, to listen to more episodes from our podcast. At our website, you can also help support us financially. You can sign up for our monthly e-newsletter. And you can check out the programs that we operate here in McCarthy during the summer. And visit our Facebook and Instagram pages to stay up to date on WMC happenings and to check in on what's going on in our community. I'm your host, John Erdman, episode writer, producer, and executive director of the Wrangell Mountains Center. And I'm your host, Michelle McAfee, episode editor and audio engineer. We also want to acknowledge David Jacob Strain for mastering this episode. Special thanks to the Alaska State Council on the Arts and to our supporters far and wide. And great thanks to Jack Dalton for taking the time to talk stories with us. And thank you for joining us at the end of the road. (laughs) 